And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. Casey Hendrickson here again broadcasting live at Hold Their Feet to the Fire, put on by FairUS.org. Go check them out online, please. If you are interested in the immigration issue, they are the best in the business, and they put this on every single year so we can talk to the experts like Simon Hankinson from the Heritage Foundation. He's a senior research fellow with Border Security and Immigration Center there at Heritage. How you doing, man? Doing great. Great to be here. I appreciate the time because this was kind of last minute, and your people were uh, very patient with me. I wasn't the I wasn't the best person to get back to them yesterday or today, and so I'm glad that you were you were here and you were in the building and able to go ahead and come here. Um, there's so many things to talk about. You and I were just talking, you know, off mic that we we could spend so much time discussing this issue that honestly, two days with everybody is really not enough. So, what are the questions that you're getting the most? from other people around the country? What are the things that these other hosts are kind of asking you? I, you know, I think they, they're all aware. And, and that's really the problem is that there's kind of half the country that is watching the news and seeing the, the 150 to 250 people, 1,000 people crossing the border. And the other half, I mean, I was uh, reading the Post, I think it's two days ago, and the fact that we crossed over the 2 million mark, right. like a record in our history of illegals entering the country, it was on like page 15 or something. It was just buried. Uh, so for, for half the country, the issue doesn't exist. And, and, and the biggest problem is that we're not talking about it in the right areas to the right people. Now, I'm from the Southwest originally. I live in the Midwest now. One of my, my things that I do that irritates my audience is I, I tell them that I think it's adorable that you all think you understand what illegal immigration is. <laughs> And they will point, you know, we have, a, we have a city there called Goshen. There's some illegal immigrants in Goshen. I'm like, yeah, but the, the total number of illegal immigrants in Goshen is like one street where I'm from. It's not the same thing. It doesn't take over the entire community. It's not a big societal problem. Where I'm from in Las Vegas, it is. And in the Southwest, it is. And on those border towns, it's even worse than there. So, you know, you do have a lot of the country, even if they know about it, and even if they're, you know, opposed to illegal immigration and, and they're, they're concerned about it in the voting poll, they still don't fully understand. And there's no way that they would be able to unless there was an event like this where we can talk to people who are actually down there. And you, I think, you kind of hit that because, again, you got half of the, the country is like, this is really bad. And you have the other half going, ah, it's not so much. And I think that DeSantis and Abbott kind of said, you know what, they don't really understand. So we're going to send some their way to Martha's Vineyard. And we're going to, they're going to, we're going to force basically everybody to pay attention to this. And I'm still running into some immigration hardliners who don't like that strategy. But what else were they supposed to do? I have to admit, I think it was a brilliant stroke. Um, the, the attention that this issue is getting now in New York City, in Chicago, uh, is is really unusual. I, I've not seen anything like this in the last year. So, and I can understand why, you know, some people might have some policy objections to it. But it, it's putting this issue. We're talking about what ten thousand people in, in Washington, ten thousand people in, uh, in in New York. But you know, here in D.C., uh, our public schools are not high performing, but they're right. really expensive. I think second most expensive after New York, about $30,000 a year. They're going to start with 70 new kids enrolled. You know, it's like $15 million. They're putting people up in hotels. In New York City, it's like $300 million they've budgeted, and they haven't even started yet. Right. They've rented a whole hotel. So I think people are starting to realize that you can write this sort of, you know, I don't want to say bunny-hugging, but this, this lovely-sounding blank check of, of being a sanctuary city. You know, we all want to be neighborly. We all want to be hospitable. But then when you start seeing that you've got large numbers of people who are going to be utterly reliant on social services. Imagine your school. Uh, you know, I've talked to people who've had their public schools. They've had to build a new school uh, in a town in, in I think it was Tennessee, to uh, cover all of the 
the new kids that are coming in. Now, those are not kids of, of normal needs. They're going to need extra language tutoring. Uh, you know, it, it, it's a burden on a community. And I think Americans have traditionally been very welcoming to immigrants. There's a percentage that can be absorbed, and then there's a, 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 a rush that that destabilizes society. And I think the other aspect too, Simon, is that how many years now have we heard, no, 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 immigrants are not a drain on society. They don't cost society. They actually benefit society. Society's richer when you have them. You have more money. You have more resources. Not less. They don't drain anything. And now you send them off to Martha's Vineyard. Martha's Vineyard's like, we can't sustain 50 of them here. We, we can't possibly do it. So then they send them away, and then they congratulate themselves on how the immigrants enrich their lives and things like that. It's like one of the most absurd things in the entire world. But now you've got everybody starting to focus on that stuff. We're really close to Chicago. So the mayor of Chicago basically has this press conference, right? And she goes out, she says, welcome to Chicago. We're not racist like Governor Abbott is. And then she turned the cameras off, and she walked out, and they were sent out on the street. They're now homeless in Chicago. And, and, of course, nobody's talking about it because nobody in the media would dare talk about that in Chicago. But next door where we're at, we get to talk about it. And this is something that I think a lot of people are looking at and going, yeah, that whole compassion angle you guys are rolling with, that's starting to fall apart a little bit because you're not really taking care of anybody. So this isn't a humanitarian position that you're taking. Yeah, I mean, charity begins at home, right? We, yeah. we have a lot of indigents. I mean, right here, just getting to you, walking through Union Station, I probably passed, and I do every day, mm -hmm. a, a, a baker's dozen of people who are seriously mentally ill and should be institutionalized, helped in some way. Yes. And they're just sleeping in tents. I, I've been in the third world for most of my career, 23 years, and I've seen that they would never put up with that in their capital. They wouldn't put up no. with a tent city outside their Department of State or their White House. They would do something about it, either out of compassion or out of law in order um, and we've kind of let it go you know I, it, in my neighborhood there's a lot of those lawn signs that say you know no, nobody no human being is illegal right well of course not but you can be illegally somewhere and I bet you if, if a family of people from anywhere even from you know nice people from Oklahoma moved into their basement they probably would call the cops fairly soon and again this is the brilliant of the stroke from Abbott and DeSantis here because we've been saying that for years and they've got no no that's not true you're just being a bigot and then the moment it happens sure enough they get really upset about it it's like see we tried telling you I read a really good article on that like hey we we proved our point you know because of all of this so we've talked about economic stuff we've talked about the human toll we've talked about drug traffic we talked about terrorism I mean this is such a massive issue and you know the, the Heritage Foundation when you're weighing in on this you guys are known for the data that you guys gather uh, you and I were talking about journalism and how journalism has completely changed and has morphed into this you mentioned how we crossed the two million on the southern border. It's buried on page fifteen because they don't want you to see what's actually. They want to bury it. Jean Pierre, <laughs> okay, Jean Pierre, Peter Ducey from Fox News. For those of you who don't know, Peter Ducey is like. I mean, they're walking across the border every day, and she goes, "No, they're not." <laughs> Fox News has had cameras down there for what three months now, every single day. They caught a coyote in the middle of the river smuggling people through, and they had to blur his face. <laughs> It's like, are you kidding me? They're not walking across? So you have now an apparatus in the news media that they're, they're just pretending the problem doesn't actually exist. So I, I guess my question for you is, considering your background, is why do you think they're pretending it doesn't exist? What is the motivation here? I, I, I struggle to find it, honestly. 
honestly, because I spent the, uh, at least 10 years of my career doing legal immigration. You know, So I'm there at the front door, uh, either as an officer, I did 100,000 visa interviews or more, and then when I was a manager, I supervised people who did them. We're checking people's police records, their medical records, they're paying fees, they're waiting in line. Sometimes they get the visa, sometimes they don't. There are brothers and sisters of American citizens waiting in India, the Philippines, Mexico, 25 years to get their turn yeah. in line. Meanwhile, the back door is wide open. So it's like you have an exclusive concert, you know, $500 tickets for Bruce Springsteen. You're checking people at the front door. Meanwhile, the roadies are letting everybody in at the back door, you know, 10 times as many. Uh, it, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I honestly think there's ideology behind it. I think that this new, uh, and I don't want to get boring about critical theory and this sort of Marxist oppression narrative, but in their minds, there's sort of, there are people who are oppressed and people who are oppressors and privileged, and they believe that migrants and anyone who wants to come to this country is, is oppressed and needs to be helped and that borders are oppressive by their very nature. Um, I don't, I, I think honestly that that is the root of, of the reason why nothing is done. Now, I find that to be a very hypocritical position for them to have. I've, I've joked about this on the show because, you know, Trump was um, was attacked for calling certain countries uh, bull bleep countries, right? But they say the exact same thing about these countries when they go, well, they have to come here from Ecuador because Ecuador is this horrible place. I'm like, the only word you're not using is the same word that Trump used. I mean, let's be perfectly Look, honest. They don't like words that mean what they say they are. I mean, they don't talk about the people I just mentioned that, you know, the ho- what is the difference between homeless, right. unhoused, and people experiencing homelessness? What is the difference between an obese person and, and a person experiencing obesity? They somehow think that if they if they spin the language, instead of calling it a, a bleephole country, you call it a, a, a developing country. And I'm sorry, it used to be third world. Now that's considered yeah, bad yeah, because third is worse than second. Right. It was never meant to be, you know, first world was developed, second was communist, third world was developing. Some of these countries are not developing. No. They're actually going downhill. They've got, uh, you know, economic problems, burgeoning populations, you know, farmland drying up, politics and the whole bit, corruption. Uh, so, yeah, yeah you, you can you can use different words and dress it up and put lipstick on the pig, but at the end of the day, the problem remains, and grown-ups are supposed to deal with problems. Now, the U.S. Southern Command, too, this is the thing that's always kind of frustrated me, is the U.S. Southern Command has been on heightened alert for, gosh, going back to the Obama administration. You know, they, they've seen terrorists come across the southern border, known terrorists, people on the watch list uh, who may be terrorists. They've seen a lot of that. And they have been, you know, screaming at the top of their lungs like, hey, this is our sector, and we're telling you that this is a serious national security threat. Okay, we've got the economic angle and everything else, but there's a national security threat with a country who's probably the top wanted target of terrorists across the world, and we're letting them walk right across the border. And we've, I think, captured, was it like 80 this year? I think 72. Yeah, so I know that it jumped up from the 53 that we had last month, which means, you know, what, two dozen a month are coming across the southern border that we know of, and what's the Border Patrol's official position is two-thirds get away? Well, they they estimate about 900,000 since Biden took office got away, that they they haven't been able to, and they never inspected or saw anybody. Yeah, so we're dealing with a potentially massive amount of potential jihadists who are here, want to kill Americans, that sort of thing, could be sleeper cells, could be nothing. We don't know. That's the point. It it doesn't take massive amounts. I mean, I I spent a year studying terrorism. (laughs) It only takes one guy, uh, you know, who's motivated. And, and, uh, you know, out of 900,000 people in a normal city of 900,000, you're going to have some bad dudes. I'm just talking about criminals. And the the amount of crimes committed by people who've been deported multiple times is really shocking. And that's never covered in the news uh, anyway. They They never put 
put the fact that this person has been deported two, three times and somehow got back in. Um, but yeah, if, if you're letting in, uh, if, if you're encountering, what, five million people and of those, a million got in uh, um, and were seen and a million got in and were not seen, th- there's going to be some of them who want to do us harm. And it's it's really uh, a threat that we could we could resist if we were willing. Well, Simon, let me... Let me see if you agree with me on this because I you know the left is constantly propping up like we're for women we're to protect, protect women believe women that sort of thing and the right of course is misogynistic and they you know, they hate women and everything else that's the narrative that they that they weave there's a massive influx of sexual assaults that happen because of illegal immigrants massive influx and the left just kind of sweeps it under the rug and pretends it doesn't exist not just in our country but in Sweden in Germany where those numbers dramatically increased after the migration there from the Middle East this continues to be a major issue. And I find it interesting that feminist groups are not raising that alarm with the political left and pointing out that, hey, a lot of women are becoming victimized here from people who are in the country illegally because they're not being vetted. Have you guys run into any kind of an argument coming from these these feminist groups that would... I, I mean, it, you know, you're just talking about Sweden. It's now, I think, the murder capital of Europe out of 22 countries. Which was like the safest place in the world it, just it, a few it, years it, ago. It used to be, yeah, exactly. And I was just reading an article this morning. I think it said 85% of the murders are committed by either first or second generation immigrants. Right. So it's not to stigmatize people, but it's just, you know, you got to call a fact, fact what it is. Right. And and it's resulted in changes in their in their politics. The feminist argument, I mean, I, I follow the, the gender issue quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And one thing that's come up uh, is the, the idea of, of men who identify as women being put in women's prisons. Well, I, I can't remember the exact statistic, but I think in the UK, the, the percentage of men who identify as women in prison who have committed violent offenses and sexual offenses is like, you know, 10 times what it was in the normal population. So why would that be? Would it be because there just randomly happen to be more people who commit crimes uh, who are men who identify as women? Or is it that they want to get in among the, the pigeons, uh, uh, you sure. know, the fox in the henhouse? It, it could possibly be the latter. And so feminists are actually starting to raise this uh, as an issue and kind of clashing. It's like an intra-left in a, you know, civil war. Yeah. But it I, hasn't. It, I haven't seen it emerge on immigration yet. They seem to be united in saying uh, we don't want to discuss where this guy came from. Yeah. The guy in Ohio who raped the 10-year-old, I mean, his, his girlfriend's daughter. Um, the guy, well, they came They came to Indiana. I mean, that's that's, that's my state. Yeah. <laughs> so we've covered that, too. Uh, Simon, I'm on a heartbreak, man, but I appreciate the time. Thank you so much. Simon Hankinson, again, he's a senior research fellow, Border Security and Immigration Center at the Heritage Foundation. Go check him out, heritage.org. we got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel.